Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 73. We've made it through Super Wild Card Weekend, and we're on to the divisional round. We're going to recap some of the uh, highlights from the weekend, highlights and lowlights. We're going to talk about some of the uh, latest in NFL news, some uh, coaching updates, which I'm sure my co-hosts will uh, <laughs> troll me about a little bit. Uh, we'll probably touch on the college football championship game a little bit as well, and um, maybe dive into some of our our previous predictions that we made from the beginning of the of the season on who we might who we think might be in the playoffs and and how we uh, how we fared on that front. And then uh, lastly, but definitely not least, we'll we'll go into uh, the uh, upcoming matchups for the divisional round. But before we dive into all that, I got my co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you fellas doing? Surviving. Thriving, surviving and uh yep. ready to watch the packers on saturday didn't get the the primetime slot first game on on saturday but hey you know it'll be a good one yep. i wish it was at night for a higher chance of snow and coldness but you know we'll take a saturday day game in lambeau field against the rams listen From i don't a, think you have to worry about the weather yeah it's going to be cold yeah. all day in lambeau dude <laughs> but at night it'll be even colder which is true be even colder. true but I'll touch but, on that when we when we talk about the game. I'm that's that's part of my my explanation that you'll I think enjoy. But anyways, Durgan, what about you, man? What's up? Weatherman Cyrus here. I, I got you. First, but, um, that, actually, that first game is one you want because most time to rest, most time to uh, prep. Uh, besides the point, true. besides that, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. No complaints. I mean, now that my teams are out, I can just sit back and enjoy football and roast other teams for sucking like the Steelers. Yeah, your your Steelers. That was a rough one. You were you were all about the Steelers, Steelers all season. I was, and then December hit, and things took a turn for the worse. Well, let's talk about the games last week then a little bit. We don't have to dive into each one individually, but a few things that stood out and uh, and what what our thoughts are on that. I mean, I had a few that that I thought stood out, but Durgan, why don't you start? And we can talk about the Steelers a little yeah. bit first, and yeah, and what I'll, you saw and just, and all that. Uh, I think Big Ben's done. I'm not sure if he's going to retire per se knowing him he'll play until he has to literally get stretchered off the field but he he has nothing left in his arm and we kind of saw that in the beginning and yeah he threw like 68 pass attempts or some crazy number but a lot of minutes in the second half when they were losing by multiple scores they made it a little interesting in the third quarter but that their window is rapidly closing and it's pretty crazy. Two months ago, people were saying, oh, this is a Super Bowl contender. They're ready for the postseason. But they have some free agents <laughs> this year, not much cap space. Big Ben, he's old. Who knows what's happening next? They don't have a, a realistic young option behind him. Mason Rudolph is crap, so they don't really have anybody they can look to the future. So they're kind of in a tough spot. I, I texted you guys about this. Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? Not that he's a bad coach, but sometimes teams need a, a new face, uh, and there are a new voice. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen with that. He's going to stay this year, obviously. But for his future, he needs a good year next year, I think. I mean, he's a guy that hasn't had a losing season Yeah, I mean, he's a great coach. But how long sure. have you been with one team for so long? And it's kind of going the wrong direction, I think. Sure. I mean, I, I think the big issue is quarterback oh yeah, uh, yeah they lost two of their linebackers uh earlier in the season which i think impacted their defense more than a lot of people uh realized and they were still very elite and that defense just sort of or the sorry the offense sort of hit a wall and they have some good receivers they they have a really good offensive line it looks like marquise pouncey is going to be retiring yep um 
so need a center there. But otherwise, I mean, they have everything that you kind of need to sustain success outside of a, a future quarterback. And uh, they might be an interesting team to talk about as far as Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan or uh, depends what Ben Roethlisberger decides to, to do. But Sam Darnold, that could be an option there. Trade for him, sit him one season. Well. I'd do that. Yeah. Maybe Carson I, Wentz shifting over, uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. different side of Pennsylvania. Stay in the state, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think this team is too ready to win now to tr- to transition on a coach. Um, and That's fair. I don't know. I, I I do have some questions about the the culture and the receivers being uh, giving everybody press clippings and saying the Browns are going to get clapped yep. and Juju doing his TikToks and oh, God. it seems like. The Steelers talk that shit, but they don't walk that nope. shit. Well, so to be fair, they walked that shit for like 65, 70% of the season. And, and then, then they uh, completely Titanic. fell off of a cliff. The biggest yeah. the biggest drop-off I've seen in a while. That being said, man, this game was so confusing to me. Like, I felt like the Steelers would get a little bit of momentum, and then they would like throw an interception. And and it's it kind of shows in the stat line. I mean, Big Ben, we're, we're talking a lot of trash, but the guy came out and he still threw 500 yards in this game, four touchdowns. But then he also threw four interceptions. So every bit of good he did was countered by this equal amount of bad that he was doing on the field. So it was it, it was a game where I think if the Steelers didn't make as many mistakes as they made, they would have had it they would have yep. honestly had this game and i like their future like you said quarterback's a question mark just because big ben is old pretty much um but everywhere else i mean listen juju is a good talent whether you know you don't like his his dances on the field i don't I, you know he still can play the wide receiver position pretty well uh deontay johnson has some uh or yeah Deont- yeah deontay yeah. johnson has some drop issues but he's a great receiver i mean he has a lot of talent james washington is is pretty solid as well Playable. james connor is good when he plays I, there's there's talent on this team. I mean, I, I think the future is is bright. They just have the biggest question that an NFL franchise could have, and that is what they do at the quarterback position. So I agree. And, and we'll props s- to the Browns. I mean, the Browns they came to play. Like they oh, weren't. 100%. They weren't. They got they got some lucky breaks, but that defense was flying around early, and they they were grinding them out on the on the ground with Chubb and Hunt. Uh, and Baker played really well as as, as well. Uh, Jarvis Landry had some nice nice catches, and uh, it sort of showed you the potential that the Browns have too. Like they can score, so uh, whether they can stop anybody, and and I think their formula is getting those turnovers and forcing those turnovers, and that's how they're gonna have a chance against the the Chiefs, which we'll touch on later. But props to the Browns; they haven't won in a long time. The Bills as well haven't won a playoff game in a long time. Both those guys uh, pulled pulled the W out and. Uh, you know, props to them. Rest in peace to the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, who won the, the MVP. MVP. So, congratulations to him. He can hang that on his shelf because I don't know if he's going to get any other trophies anytime Cla- soon. Clarify that for our listeners who don't understand. The Nickelodeon I, game, baby. Yeah. That was awesome. The worst broadcast yeah, I've seen in a while. <laughs> it, was, it, it was good if you were a kid. As a 26-year-old male watching it, it was so bad it was funny. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And the game sucked. <laughs> yeah the, that an insult to injury right there the game being bad on top of the yep. trippy acid like broadcast <laughs> on nickelodeon it was uh, it was unique but i immediately switched to cbs right when i saw what was and and, and they had some commentary commentators too that were very annoying but anyways yeah. we don't have to dive into all that let's talk about some nfl news that we we have here watson is mm-hmm. upset at the texans potentially i mean there's a lot of information floating around a lot of 
ambiguity surrounding this situation, but could we see Watson on a different team and why or why not? I'll talk first, just so I want to break down a situation and put the blame and all this on one guy. And this guy you probably never heard of, his name is Jack Easterby. He was not even a football guy. He is a character coach, formerly of the Patriots. And he's a pastor at a church. And Bill O'Brien hired him from the Patriots when he got hired as the uh, Texans head coach. And somehow this guy has weaseled his way into being like the number two guy in the entire organization. And somehow, after that, he got his friend fired, Bill O'Brien. He's the one that axed him. And so the Texans paid all this money for a search firm to look for head coaches and GMs, which, first of all, a search firm, if you don't know who to hire, that's a bad sign. And essentially, this search firm told them to hire or interview a few guys. And Deshaun Watson was like, hey, I want you know minority coaches and general manager candidates to be properly uh, interviewed. All he wanted was Eric Bieniemy to be interviewed, and they didn't do it. And they were about to hire this guy, Omar Khan, uh, who is assistant GM of the Steelers, to be their top guy. And at the last moment, Jack Easterby comes through and says, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to hire the Patriots guy, who is a, he's a, a legit candidate. It's not like he's a random schmo off the street. But this guy, Jack Easterby, is the one calling a lot of shots. So Deshaun Watson's like, all right, screw this. Like, I, it, If you're not going to listen to me, why do I want to stick around for a rebuild when I'm in the prime of my career? All right, that's the table being set. Also, Andre Johnson today said if you were Deshaun Watson, you would absolutely sit out. And Andre Johnson is probably the best player in Texans history besides J.J. Watt. Yeah, it's just kind of a mess. I, I did read recently that the, the Texans have now scheduled uh, an interview with Eric Bieniemy, so yes. maybe that will assuage some things. But I think the main issue is that uh, McNair told Deshaun Watson that he would consult him or his, his opinion would be heard as far as the coaching and GM search. And uh, they went ahead and hired Casario from the Patriots without consulting him. And that, that was the big rub there. And I think on top of that, you just fired a guy that came from the Patriots in Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And you tried to implement the Patriot way. Um, it didn't work. And now you hired another guy from the Patriots. And I think that is a tough sell to fans and to players to say like, hey, we just hired someone from this regime and it didn't work and and uh, we fired him. And now we hired another guy to see if it'll work again. And it's not like Bill Belichick has been this shining example of drafting and yep. uh, getting good prospects. Like he's, he's coached the hell out of them and put them in the right spots to succeed. But he's not like some dynamo that's picking out diamonds in the rough and making them into stars, you know? So uh, I don't know what the fascination is with Patriots GMs or, or wanting to, to walk that line, but uh, the Texans are walking it again and we'll see sort of what happens. I I think uh, if I was Deshaun Watson, I would definitely have my qualms, especially looking at the state of the franchise and understanding like, Hey, we may not be competing for, a few years now and i don't know if i want to waste my prime during a rebuild and this is a unique scenario we have never seen a quarterback who is in his prime or entering his prime demand a trade not that he's demanded a trade yet but if you were to you don't know what value you can get back from him because there's no deal to compare to it uh, mm-hmm. he's he's an expensive player his cap hit isn't too bad in 2021, but overall, 
over the five years contract over 125 million dollars so he's not cheap but a lot of teams i think could afford him but not many teams have the ammo needed to trade for him i mean realistically at least three first round picks i think that would be a starting point Uh, maybe the dolphins have a good one because they have tua and two first round picks this year including the texans uh, third overall pick that they should have had so in terms of where he's going to go i don't think he's going to go anywhere but if he did uh, the, the Texans would be not getting the value they probably want. Yeah, I mean, this guy just led the league in passing yards, so mm-hmm. he's he's going to cost a treasure chest of, of picks, players, whatever whatever a team can can provide, really. And, I mean, he just recently signed an extension, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't see him realistically going anywhere, but I totally empathize and understand his frustration especially uh, with the state of this franchise. But they have some talent. I mean, there's some players on that team uh, come next year. I mean, Will Fuller had the best year of his career prior to getting suspended. Uh, he's a whether free or not agent, that, though. Whether or not that's because of PEDs, I don't know. Is he a free agent? So, free agent, okay. and their cap, they can afford him, but they have to move some stuff around with their cap. Well, let's see what their, what their uh, Patriots GM yeah. does here. I mean, winning cures all. If they can come out and, and have a better start to this next season, then obviously think people forget about all this but uh if if not i i don't you know i don't know where this franchise is headed it seems like there's there's a lack of direction which uh would is a problem speaking of another franchise with some lack of direction currently <laughs> and uh a vacant head coaching position sort of maybe in a similar position as the uh the texans with a less talented quarterback uh let's let's talk about the eagles who recently just fired super bowl winning head coach doug peterson yeah, but at least the Eagles have the number six pick, and that's what really that is matters. True. In the that is true. That is true. Because if you had number nine, it just wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be as attractive of, be the a, same. of a it position. Would, it's just way worse. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, in some ways, I feel for Doug Peterson. Um, he seems a little bit like the sacrificial lamb. How he uh, has now had was it four head coaches during his tenure? He he fired Andy Reid, and. Um, he has fired Chip Kelly, rightfully so, and he's fired Doug Peterson, and now he's going to get his fourth head coach, and that seems like a long time to be a GM and not to be held responsible, but also remember three years ago, you know, the, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl, and everyone was saying, well, the Eagles are the model for how you build a roster. You build it through the trenches. They have an awesome offensive line and defensive line, and they, they built out from there, and this is the gold standard. Everyone should should recreate that, and then we saw that with the Rams, and we saw that with the 49ers, and now all of a sudden, you know, I don't know if Howie lost his touch or has uh, been unable to find skill positions in the draft. I think that's the the big issue and the the roster is aging, but I don't think Doug Peterson on the flip side despite all the injuries was super innovative as a head coach and offensive mind after Frank Reich left. Um, I I never despite the NFC East being shoved in my face every Sunday night football it seems like um <laughs> five or six times a year having to watch the Cowboys and the Eagles or the Cowboys and the Giants or the Eagles and the Washington football team or whatever. I was never like, oh, wow, that's a super innovative play call or that's a cool scheme that I hadn't seen before. It was always, you know, if you execute it well and it it works, awesome. Um, But I don't think Doug Peterson did quite enough to help his um, depleted roster have success without their own um, doing if you know what I mean. He didn't scheme people open as much and uh, help those guys out that needed help to get open. 
Yeah, and that makes sense. Before you go, Durgan, I just want to jump no, in. Go for it. it. So it's it's not Howie Roseman. It's Jeffrey Lurie firing um, these coaches. Howie Roseman isn't the one making those sort of decisions. If anything, Howie Roseman is on the hot seat right with those coaches. But I will say Andy Reid t- was very long tenured. So that, I don't know, is a good example. But the other three can be can be good examples of, you know, is there job security for future head coaches coming into Philadelphia um, and I mean, the answer is, is yes and no, but that's the same as any head coaching position, right? If you win, there's job security. If you just lose, then there's not. The conundrum here is that Doug Peterson was the first head coach to bring the city a Super Bowl, and he still got fired, right? Um, so first and foremost, before we, we dive into anything else here, I just want to say thank you to Doug Peterson as an, as an Eagles fan, because that's momentous, and, and it's the biggest thing in the franchise's history. Um, did he deserve to get fired? Probably not. Um, is he a scapegoat? I think, I think so. I think, uh, between all the drama with Carson Wentz, I think Howie's inability to draft skill positions, you hit the nail on the head right there. The last time he's drafted a Pro Bowl player was over six years ago. Um, so I I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of misses on utilizing our draft assets. And while he's managed the cap and re-signed key skill position players, those players are now into their thirties. And we've seen that play out on the field with a tremendous amount of injuries. The offensive line had 14 different combinations throughout the season. So when you tell me it's Doug Peterson and his lack of innovation, in my mind, I'm thinking it's hard to be innovative when you're constantly adapting to new players, new schemes, both offensively and even uh, Jim Schwartz on on the defensive side, too. A lot of of injuries on that side, too. Um, And having to adapt the scheme week in, week out leads to sort of this vanilla offense that I think we see. That being said, did he lose sort of his passion that I think he had in 2017 and, and earlier on in his career with the Eagles? It looked like it to me a little bit. Um, but I don't necessarily put all of it on, on his shoulders the way it's it's seeming like it is being put on his shoulders with him being fired. Go ahead, Durgan. I mean, you're 100% right. Uh, Doug Pearson, I don't think he's a bad head coach. I think he's a top half head coach. He should get a job. Uh, next year, if not, I think he'll sit out next season and get a job after that. Uh, maybe, like you said, Casey, Frank Reich, maybe had a little more influence than we thought originally. But I think the Eagles, what I'm seeing now is they had to find a coach who believes they can win with what they have. They don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, they had, of course, a six overall pick and a few draft picks. But nothing. they can't go out and get a, an Allen Robinson who's a free agent. They can't get any huge weapons uh, that, that will just make a day one impact. So you have to get a little bit creative, and I think at the end of the day, Doug Peterson realized, and Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie realized, maybe it was time for a change. I think they'll find a head coach that they believe can win with this and won't be too demanding. Won't be a Chip Kelly. Won't say, okay, I need this guy, this guy here, and this guy gone. Then the guy said, okay, here's what you have. Can you win with this team? Yes or no. And who it's going to be? I don't know. They just started the process today of interviewing people. Uh, so it's tough to speculate. Uh, one name you mentioned was Lincoln Riley. I think that would be an awesome head hire. I don't know if he uh, wants an NFL coaching job, but if he did, I think that's the young energy that they need. They need some they need some life in them. So we'll see what happens. Doug Peterson, best of luck to him. Uh, best of luck to Eagles fans. No matter what, I think they'll be disappointed in who they get, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the way you ended that, but uh, Lincoln Riley, I mean, the reason that the, the rumors are sort of swirling around there is because he's had a relationship with Howie Roseman and they know each other well. Um, and then also, you know, his his ability to essentially turn quarterbacks into 
basically Heisman Trophy can, candidates or winners. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts Jalen was Hurts. the runner-up be, be, behind uh, Joe Burrow, who's on this team. So that combined with Howie Roseman having a relationship with Lincoln Riley is is sort of where these rumors are coming from. But uh, I don't know. It almost feels like a diversion, like, hey, we're going after Lincoln Riley, and then everybody sort of forgets about the fact that you just fired the head coach that won you a Super Bowl. <laughs> because Lincoln Riley just signed a $46 million extension with Oklahoma. So I don't know that I see him immediately packing up. Unless you're going to come in and give him some like absurd John Gruden-type money, I'm not sure he leaves Oklahoma, where he's having a ton of success. I mean, the dude's, what is he, lost like three games or some crazy, some insane it's stat. He's not like. Many. Yeah, he's he's co- he's coaching like one of the best coaches in college football, um, and you could make the argument that his roster isn't as good as the other head coaches that are are having as much success as him. So, uh, I I don't know. I, I I like Lincoln Riley. I'm a little tentative on hiring another college head coach just because historically what has happened, Chip especially Kelly. with Chip Kelly. And if anyone understands, it's Niners fans, oh, yeah. it's Durgan. You guys get it. Uh, Chip Kelly, I love that so, guy. You do not love that guy. What do you mean you love that guy? You don't love that guy. I don't, but it's funny to laugh at. It is funny to laugh at. He got us Kyle Shanahan. Fair. Fair. He got us Doug Peterson, so I guess, I don't know. know, Maybe we owe Chip Kelly the Super Bowl? Is (laughs) there some sort of world in in which that makes sense? I don't know. Uh, But, I mean, they're they're planning to try to interview Robert Sala. They're planning on interviewing, um, what's his name? Todd Bowles. Uh, Todd Bowles, Arthur Smith. I mean, there's, there's some candidates out there. I think maybe we're a little late to the game. Other teams have already interviewed at least their first round. Um, but, I, you know, minus the cap issues, this team, when healthy, has some attractive options, especially if a coach thinks they can turn our quarterbacks into to productive players. So we'll see. That'll be, the, the I think, one of the most exciting storylines to follow. And in general, in this offseason, there seems like there's a lot of different coaching opportunities, more so than usual. So that'll be fun. And Durgan has a coaching tracker up on our website if you want to keep up to date weeklyspiral.com check that out see case you have any thoughts here i know i I ranted a little bit but i want to give you a chance to chime in unless you want to move on here we can we can do that as well (laughs) no not really i mean you know i think the the reports say that doug peterson went to lurie and said hey i want press taylor to be my offensive coordinator and uh you know lurie was not impressed with that choice and um decided that that was a fireable offense and i don't know what his solution was at defensive coordinator either um but i know you've spoken a couple times about press taylor being an issue for the eagles and uh you know if, if lurie felt the, the same way then you know it, it that's not the way to roll if you're trying to groom a quarterback and uh, patch things up with carson wentz and uh find out who your quarterback of the future is it doesn't seem like that would have been the the prescient um choice to make so well press taylor was our quarterbacks coach did you see our quarterback like yeah so (laughs) why would he go and and what did he do to earn a promotion i don't know i see where lurie's coming from from that i don't know that that's the sole reason that he got fired uh but that's a horrible suggestion i I don't think he has done anything to earn offensive coordinator duties um let alone even keep his job as a quarterback coach anyway that's a whole nother tangent we can go down (laughs) um but yeah i mean essentially they had two meetings doug peterson and lurie uh the first meeting you know ended not great and then he wanted doug peterson to come up with a plan came back to the second meeting didn't really have a plan so that kind of probably pissed lurie off a little bit i would imagine i think somebody in the organization also leaked some other information which probably isn't very cool but in general um 
it kind of soured at the end there. And the end result of this probably means Carson Wentz stays on the Eagles, actually. So I don't know. I'm torn, conflicted, as all Eagles fans are, very confused for the future of this franchise. And uh, the NFC East may still be shitty for years to come. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some other things. Though. We, what else we got here? We want to talk more about... We got the college football championship game. We can talk about that, even though it was kind of a snooze fest towards the end of it. Do you guys have any thoughts on this and maybe even the structure of the college football playoffs as a whole? Well, about the game, uh, Alabama is very good. That's my hot take. What? Wow. <laughs> Wild. They have some some very Dude. talented players. It's insane. How did you? How, wow. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. you came up with that. I- Hot take, man. Hot take. But like you said, with the um, structure, they need to expand to eight teams. I, I'm shocked they haven't yet because it's more money. There's one thing the NCAA loves is having a lot of money to not pay their uh, athletes, quote unquote. So, and it's also the same teams. It's always Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then a fourth team, or Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oregon when they were good. So if you have eight teams, yeah, you know, they might still lose, but at least it's more interesting. At least you have more options. Uh, more reason for guys to play longer too like half the bowl games this year uh, for good reason guys said screw it I'm not going to play so if you're having it in playoffs then guys are going to play so I don't know they won't do it anytime soon I think but it has to be done in order for them to actually make this more competitive yeah I'm, I'm with you I, I think they need to expand the playoff and like if if we're gonna watch blowouts anyways in the the championship games and the the semifinals before that, like it, it why not let you know Tulsa get blown out in the championship game rather than watching Ohio State get blown out in the championship game, like it it the the talent disparity is um, can be very wide at the college level, um, but you do see a lot of upsets during the regular season where you know on that perfect day the coach schemes up and up and and you see purdue beat ohio state and and stuff like that and those are that's sort of like what college football embodies there's a lot of emotion and energy in the stadiums and if you give some of these teams a shot um you never know what could happen you could get a new powerhouse it's very hard to sell to you know to to kids going to whatever coastal carolina that they can have a perfect season do everything they're supposed to do and their season ends in some bowl game that nobody's going to watch like how how do you recruit for that how do you uh create parity within college football with that system i don't see how that works just expand the playoff make it at least eight uh and and go from there i mean if you're a guy top five recruit or five-star recruit and alabama offers you and michigan offers you there's no way in hell you're going to michigan like why would you that you know you're not going to do anything so i agree with you yeah i mean honestly is there a bigger dynasty in sports right now than alabama i I mean at the definitely at the collegiate level but also just in general i don't know that there's any team that's been as dominant in their sport um for as long as as long as this it's it's almost kind of absurd. I, I was reading a stat, and I may be misquoting this, but I think it said every player that's stayed at Alabama for three or more years has won a national championship, which... Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's true. Like, that's insane. That's absolutely that's insane. And, you know, year in, year out, it seems like they're in the game and they're always in the playoffs. So it's it's getting a little stale to me, and that's coming from somebody who's definitely more engaged with the NFL than college football. But, um, you know, it'd be it'd be exciting to mix things up a little bit, so... I don't know how they do that. Maybe expanding it. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But um, if you have any suggestions, tweet at us at Weekly Spiral. Amen. 
Amen. Let's move on here. We got our games of the week, and by games of the week, we mean the divisional playoff matchups. There are some exciting ones. I feel like the divisional round is when things really heat up. There's no duds, in my opinion. Every matchup is going to be potentially really good. So we'll start with the first one, um, and I'm, I'm going to let Durgan take it away. We got the Rams versus the Packers. Yeah, uh, Casey will have more of the uh, in-depth analysis. Uh, I'm going to go with Packers 27-14. Rams just don't have the juice on offense like they have in the past. I mean, two years ago, three years ago when they are in a Super Bowl, they were more of an offensive-minded team. Now their defense carries them. Uh, Aaron Donald even played the second half, and they still shut down Russell Wilson. Great secondary. Uh, they're getting a lot of pass rush, uh, making the quarterback you know, throw the ball a lot earlier than they expected to, especially for the Seahawks, who are kind of a team that relies on Russell Wilson to scramble around. That did not obviously work out too well for them. But the Rams are so banged up right now. Uh, Aaron Donald, like I said, banged up. Uh, Cooper Cup, left the game. Jared Goff throwing with four fingers, no thumb. So I don't know how he's going to look in the cold. Uh, both teams coming off of a bye and were rested. I would probably lean the Rams because they're just playing very well right now. A Packers at home, off a of bye. Rodgers, who is determined right now to win a championship, I think will be a, uh, close in the beginning, blowout at the end. Hey, the Packers are playing very well right now. They are. As but, well. But the, the Rams are out of their mind. The Rams defense is out of their mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I seriously think that's one of the best defenses that I've seen in a long time. They have Jalen Ramsey, who can match up man-to-man. He shut down DK Metcalf. Um, he's shut down Hopkins twice this year. Uh, he's done a really good job. They have Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald apparently tore some cartilage in his ribs, so he's going to be fine and play. Um, and they can get pressure without blitzing, which I think is the the biggest thing you can do as a defense. If you can get pressure with your front four and you can do some creative stuff in the secondary with uh, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey being able to man someone up, you can move people around, um, and you can play with two high safeties, which is what they, they really like to do. So if you can control the run game and you can get pressure with just your front, um, that allows you to keep two high safeties and protect against the pass and you know that's that makes an elite defense and that's what worries me about the rams because because that defense is is nasty um it's just the the other side of the ball uh, jared goff played well enough in this game uh he didn't expect to play but he he threw like nine for 19 for a buck 50 or so and a, a touchdown which is like what you need to do if your formula is elite defense and run the ball you know, you don't need a whole lot of contributions from your quarterback. And that's the the big thing that they did against Seattle. They ran the ball. They had 164 yards on the ground. Um, Andrew Whitworth was back. Cam Akers looked really good. And when you have a formula that works like that, that's a formula that travels and that can play in any weather. Um, so if you can run the ball, control the clock, uh, get some time of possession, play good defense, you can shorten the game, and you can reduce the number of possessions that the other team has. And that's what you want to do against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. All that being said, because I, I do like the Rams a lot, 
but I can't pick against the Packers because the Packers are playing equally as well on offense as the Rams are playing on defense. And uh, while the Packers' defense has been much maligned and their run defense is still somewhat shaky, they're an above-average defense in the last eight weeks um, of the season since the Minnesota game when they let Dalvin Cook run all over them. Um, they're, they're the 12th-ranked defense. So they're improving, and that that front is playing better. They replaced one of their linebackers. Christian Kirksey is not getting as many reps now. Uh, so they have Chris Barnes in the middle, and he's playing a lot better in run support and, and pass coverage. So I, I think the Packers have taken a step up on defense. <clears throat> this is a long-winded way of just saying I think the Packers win a relatively tight one, 24-16 over the Rams. Yeah, I mean, listen – this is the number one scoring offense in the NFL versus the number one scoring defense. And by scoring, I mean um, least points allowed per game. The Packers averaged 31.8 points per game, just under 32 points in the regular season. The Rams allowed the fewest points in the league at 18.5 per game. So this will be an interesting uh, sort of case study here. Does defense win championships? Does offense win championships? We're going to find out here in this Packers and Rams matchup. Um, but I think the key matchup really, you know, Casey touched on it a little bit, but Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey, that's going to be something to watch out for. Adams caught 18 touchdown passes during the regular season. The Rams as a team only allowed 17 total put touchdown passes in the entire regular season. Uh, so it'll be interesting, and I don't know who wins that matchup, honestly, because I think both are at the top of what they do in this league, and Ramsey has only allowed three of those 17 touchdowns. So I want to see, do, do they have Ramsey shadow Devontae Adams anywhere on the field? Do they let LaFleur sort of put Adams in the slot, put him around in different places and try to scheme him open? Or do they just completely try to take him away? I'm going to say they probably try to take him away and, and Ramsey shadows and we'll, we'll see. Um, but that'll be, I think, what sort of may decide the game, to be honest. Second matchup to look out for, Aaron Donald versus anybody who's in front of him. Probably uh, <laughs> center Corey Lindsley. Um Aaron Donald has the single-handed capability. He's one of the few players in the league that can change the game on on the defensive side of the ball by himself. So that'll be that'll be something to watch out for. Um, without David Bakhtiari, that offensive line is still looking pretty solid. So I'm not 100% worried about it. But you know, Aaron Donald, one one move, one strip sack, and the whole game is is a different outlook. So that'll be interesting. But Here's another thing. Here's what we talked about in the, the beginning of the podcast. Meteorologist Cyrus coming in, checking in here. <laughs> Going to talk a little bit. The forecast for Saturday in Lambeau, the high is 28 degrees. Ooh. Think about that. That's below freezing, the high. The low is 16 degrees. The Rams right now practicing in Thousand Oaks, California. The weather over there is 70 degrees to 80 degrees, somewhere in between that, all throughout their practice. So they're not used to this. The Packers, on the other hand... They thrive in this. This is their home field. They know what to expect. And Goff, if we take a look historically, has been absolute trash in cold weather starts. In his yeah. two cold weather starts, in games he started with a temperature below freezing, below 32 degrees, he's 34 for 72, 381 yards, not a single touchdown, and five interceptions for a combined passer rating of 64.58. I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers at home, the MVP of the season, in Lambeau, in cold weather, with an unhealthy golf, regardless of how good this Rams defense is, there's not a chance I will ever bet against the Packers in this situation. I'm going to take the Packers 30, Rams 20, maybe 20. That's like the most. That's like the most they'll score. <laughs> uh, but I got to take the Packers in this one. I think they I think they win this. And uh, honestly, I think they're the best team in the NFC at the moment. Thanks. 
Oh, you're welcome. I, did, I definitely didn't say it for you. This is the truth. But uh, let's let's move on to another NFC matchup we got here. We got this one. This one's an exciting one too because we got some some fairly elderly quarterbacks facing off here. We got the Bucks <laughs> versus the Saints. Durgan, what do you think? Yeah. First off, interesting stat. When I saw us third time they're playing, I'm like, okay, it's almost impossible to be a team three times in one season. Actually, the opposite. Sixty-seven percent of the time. When a team plays three times, that and a team can go for the sweep, they win. So right now, all the stats are favoring the Saints. However, they're playing the GOAT, Tom Brady. You don't get rich being against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'm not that confident right now in the Saints offense. Uh, Breeze, last few postseasons, hasn't looked great. Hasn't looked great this entire season. Yes, they have Michael Thomas, great player. Kamara, game changer. But I think that... Todd Bowles will bring the heat and rough up Breeze. Brady right now has a stacked receiver room. Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Antonio Brown. And their offensive line, Tristan Wirfs, who's been playing incredible for a rookie, will slow down that pass rush. He's a right tackle, left tackle Donovan Smith, also playing very well against the Washington defensive line, who is much more talented than the Saints defensive line. And yet Brady still had time to throw. Yeah, he was pressured once in a while, but still had time to throw and ultimately won them that game. Uh, once again, I'm worried about Breeze. That's what's going to come down to. If Breeze can do his, you know, play good, not great, just good, get the ball to your guys quick, they'll win this game. But I think a lot of pressure, it'd be a close one, 30-28 Buccaneers. Also, I picked them in the preseason to make it this far, so I got to stick to my guns. Yeah, I mean, I'll stick to my guns a little bit as well. The, the Buccaneers have not shown me anything that has indicated that they've turned the corner. Uh, they played some pretty soft defenses uh, to end the season uh, to bump up those offensive numbers, and then they played the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke, who played fantastic, and uh, uh, they gave them all that they could. And you, they played down to an opponent that they were supposed to really blow out, and they didn't. Uh, Washington had an opportunity to win that game at the end, um, and, uh, you know, very well could have dethroned the GOAT. Um, so, I, you know, I, I still haven't been impressed with Tampa Bay most of the year. They've had flashes. That's awesome. But uh, the Saints mauled them, both of these matchups, during the, the regular season. I know they didn't have everybody healthy and, and available. Antonio Brown hadn't uh, arrived. He had, like, one week of practice or something. But... Uh, the Saints just seem like a more complete team. They played defense. They played the Bears, I know. But their defense was fantastic. They allowed basically three points and then the one touchdown at the end. Um, and that's sort of the, the formula for, for the Saints. Uh, play good defense. And if you're going to blitz Drew Brees, that's fine. He's going to dink and dunk his way down the field. They have Michael Thomas back, who looked solid. Camara looked like maybe he was recovering a little bit from COVID a little bit still. Uh, maybe he was a little fatigued or tired. He didn't have a huge game. Um, but he has another week to, to sort of heal up and get his energy back. And uh, ultimately, I think the, the, the Buccaneers are just, there's too much variance in their performance. And I trust the Saints a lot more. They're a strong team. They have the the three-headed monster in Breeze, Camara, and Michael Thomas. And, uh, you know, even with the weapons of Tampa Bay, I, I just don't trust them. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Saints 31-21. to 21. All right. This will be the oldest quarterback matchup in NFL history. Wow. Ever. 
the second oldest was this same matchup earlier this season <laughs> yeah, same, before one of them had a ago. birthday. Yeah. Um, listen, the Saints beat the Bears convincingly. The Bucks did not beat Washington football team convincingly at all. I mean, since Bruce Arians took over as head coach in 2019, the Bucks are 0-4 against the Saints. The New Orleans Saints outscored them by a combined 137-67 to throughout that uh, those four matchups. So even with Brady as their quarterback, they've lost to the Saints this year by 46 points or, or so. So I, I'm I'm not sold on my pick here, but like you said, Casey, there's some variance. The variance is on their favor for the Bucks now versus previous in the season when they faced them twice before. And I have some stats to back that up. So I'll I'll talk okay. I'll talk behind why I'm picking the Bucks here. <laughs> over the Saints, even though I'm not even sold myself, I think the Bucks definitely are in a much better position to not shit the bed the way they did previously. So this could go either way, prefacing it with that, but I'm picking the Bucks, And the reason being, Brady getting rid of the ball a lot quicker than he was weeks one through nine when you look week 10 through the wild card matchup. Uh, he used to average 2.43 seconds in the pocket for each throw. Week 10 through the wildcard uh, game this past Saturday, he was 2.23 seconds in the pocket. May not sound like a lot, but that's a lot in football time. He's facing way more blitzes than he was in weeks one through nine, but his passer rating has jumped from 96 to 127.8. So he's playing better, even though he's being pressured more. He's diagnosing the blitzes better. I mean, he's the best to play at the position, so you can't really, you know, whatever you throw at him, he's going to figure out a way to, to deal with it. And I think, obviously, team chemistry plays a factor in, in all of this, but um, his protection has also been better. You know, you look at the last matchup with the Saints, they were missing Ali Marpet, who didn't play, and he's arguably their best offensive lineman, potentially. I mean, I, I don't know, it's marginal, but he's arguably their best offensive lineman, and he's basically his addition has has decreased their the pressure rate of defenses by about eight to nine percent. Weeks ten through wild card, he's being pressured ten percent, um, even while being blitzed that much more. Whereas weeks one through nine, it was about eighteen to nineteen percent. So this team right now is a different team than we saw in the first half of the season. So to compare that, you know, you look at all the stats and and the margins and how badly they lost to the Saints previously. I don't even I don't even know if I can consider that to be honest because I think this team is in a different position. And then you add on Antonio Brown who in the last matchup with the Saints only had a week to practice, really didn't have an impact, and now looks like he might be coming on as a true legit weapon for this team. I think the Bucks are in a in a good position to to upset. I mean, the Saints are favored, you know, the betting line favors them and and I think logic favors them as well, but I think the Bucks are in a really good position here to uh, to win this game. So I'm going to say Bucks 34, Saints 30 in a battle of two first ballot Hall of Famers that I think will be a really fun matchup. Do you have a rebuttal to any of that, Casey, since I know you're, you're gung-ho about your Saints over there? <laughs> um, well, everyone said it was going to be a really fun matchup the last two times, and it it wasn't because the Saints just dominated them. So, I, you know, this is true. Bucks, this is true. The, the Bucks just don't, they don't do it for me, man. Well, they they're gonna me. they're gonna do it for you this weekend. Just watch. <laughs> well, then they can come up to Lambo and shiver little their little butts off. Hopefully, who would you rather? Who would you rather play? Just hypothetically, let's say the Packers win. Uh, who who would you want to win as a fan? Not who do you logically think is going to win? Who would I want the Packers to play? Yes. Uh, neither of them really. I, I would well, feel you don't more have a choice. Right? I'd feel more comfortable with the Saints yeah. probably. Yeah. Huh, okay. Agreed. Because yeah, Breeze ain't throwing anything in Lambo weather. 
he will throw yeah. 10 yards max. I feel like Jair Alexander, he's second team all pro, finished behind Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. And I, I feel like he's been shutting people down if uh, the Saints really have one receiver. So if he can just match up with Michael Thomas, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara ran all over us or he, he ran all over us in the, in the way that uh, he got dump offs and, and screens and stuff and ran all over us in the first matchup in like week three. Um, but I feel more confident holding those weapons down than I do the Buccaneers weapons, even though they're, they're up and down. Uh, I think we just match up better with the saints right now. Yeah. Their talent is more focused in one specific area. Whereas I think the uh, bucks are a little bit more spread out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another matchup with, with some of Casey's favorite teams. Cause he loves every team in the AFC. <laughs> we got the Ravens versus the bills. Durgan, take uh, it away. Gi- yeah. Give me bills. Mafia 28, 24, Ravens scare the crap out of me right now because they're a team uh, that can run the ball very, very well. Now limits possessions for Josh Allen. And so it's kind of contrasting styles. You have one team in the Bills that don't run the ball well or at all very much. And the flip side of the Ravens, I want to run the ball on first, second, and third down. But since I'm, I'm an old man now, I'm almost 27, I did not like how Lamar Jackson and the team acted after the game. When they danced on the, the logo, whatever, that, that was that's revenge. But Lamar Jackson doesn't shake hands, just runs to the locker room. No, no, no. That To me, that shows he is happy to win a playoff game. That's all he wanted this season. Now the narrative is, is done. I want a playoff game. No one can talk shit about me anymore. He, he, he doesn't care. Now he's like, okay, I'm, I'm done. The narrative's done. I care about myself. I'm not going to be respectful, shake Josh Allen's hand, wish him good game, good luck in future, or uh, whoever they played, the Tannehill. Shake his hand, shake Derrick Henry's hand, great season, young man. Nope, he ran to the back like a coward. Don't like that. Dawson Knox, Gabriel <laughs> Davis, big game coming up. Go Bills Mafia. I'll jump through a table if they win a Super Bowl. Well, I'm a fan of the Bills, too. I'm holding uh, Durgan to that, by the way, before I'll you go, it. Casey. I'm holding Durgan to that. We're going we're gonna to get a video and put it on the Weekly Spiral oh, Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat the ghost peppers I owe for, for last year for the, the loss to the 49ers, and Durgan can jump through it too. You need to make some big bet to to get in, involved in this, but uh, I'm a big fan of Buffalo. I don't really care about Lamar not shaking someone's hand. Um, you know, He was fired up, and maybe that sort of relieves the tension that he felt. Maybe he felt a lot of pressure and like he was going to have to force the ball and make some plays to win that first game, and now that he's done that, that tension is sort of gone. Um, so we'll see how he plays, but I think the Bills are just playing too complete uh, of a, a football right now. Their their defense has improved. Um, Trey White has stepped up. Tremaine Edmonds is playing really well, and they've done a really good job of ex- of limiting explosive plays on defense. So if you can make teams march, they're sort of like the the Chiefs light in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, make teams march the whole field and take forever to score that's fine we can score in about 30 seconds if we want to and the bills have done just that when they've needed to the last whatever two months or so of the season and the bills have really sort of opened up the playbook too they're running josh allen a lot more on designed runs Um, he had 54 yards and a touchdown on the ground this last weekend and he's playing at an elite level through the air as well through some nice dot ruse to Stefan Diggs. And, uh, you know, that, that offense is very tough to stop. But these are maybe two of the hottest teams, especially on the NF, on the AFC side right now, um, with the Ravens and the Bills. 
And, uh, you know, the, the Ravens defense is, is ranked 10th in DVOA, but the Colts defense was actually better and ranked 8th. So they, they can play tough defenses and they can still score. So I, I expect the Bills offense to continue its role. No one's really been able to shut them down in, in months now. Um, and I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to match point for point. So I'm taking the Bills 31 to 20. Both these teams are hot. You you hit the nail on the head with that one. Ravens having won six straight. Bills having won seven straight. Both QBs obviously hot along with those those win records. Um, and both coming off their first ever playoff win. So congrats to these guys. But uh, this this will be an interesting one. This will be a test for the Baltimore defense. I mean, the Bills, you know, I, I mentioned the Packers have the number one scoring offense. The Bills have the number two scoring offense. Very close. I think half a point per game difference. Um, so... The key matchup here, I think, is going to be Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and uh, really Stephon Diggs and, and what he can get going. But um, the Ravens need to shut down that passing attack if they have any hope. And the Bills really need to sell out on the run and force Lamar to be a thrower, as, as is the game plan for any team facing the Ravens. But, you know, that being said, I'm concerned about this Bills defense. They've, they've his, Throughout the season, they were ranked 20th in rush yards per game allowed. And that is the Ravens' bread and butter. If you allow them to get going in the run game, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And here's where I see Buffalo having the biggest issue on third downs. This is where the Buffaloes thrive. They're leading the league massively in third down completions offensively. Um, But Baltimore is the second best defensive team at stopping teams on third down. So I I see this as a really, really good head-to-head clash. I think this is going to be an extremely close game. It's going to come down to my opinion to which QB makes less mistakes. And as we know, I'm not a huge, huge Josh <laughs> Allen fan in this in this one. Um, I don't dislike him as much as Durgan dislikes Lamar, but I got to take the Ravens in this one. I think they're more dynamic. Uh, I like the fact that the the rushing attack and lines up perfectly with what I consider the Bills' really one weakness, um, which is rush defense. So I'm going to take the Ravens 30, Bills 27, and my hot take for this week will be that this will be the most exciting game to watch. I agree with that. Well, then it's not a hot take if you agree with it, Durgan. <laughs> Damn it. I'm, I'm the hot take guy, so... That, that oh, okay, then it's it. the hottest it of takes. It. Yeah. Got it. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, let's go into our last game of the weekend. We got the Browns versus the Chiefs. This will be uh, maybe maybe an interesting one. Maybe not. Durgan. What do you think? Yeah, the Browns defense did play uh, well first half against the uh, Steelers, but the Chiefs are not the Steelers. Uh, I don't think the Browns have enough juice to uh, slow them down at all. Miles Garrett, great player. Uh, they should be taking some guys off the COVID list. Uh, Tefanski should be coaching this week after not coaching last week. But I, I don't think they're able to stop Mahomes at all. It's going to be attracting me early, and it meant that the Chiefs defense can slow down Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, I think that's going to be the end of the Browns. But they, they should be proud that they won a playoff game. I mean, that's the first time they've won in, since 1993. So this season uh, has been an overall success. And when you're, when you're playing against the Chiefs, you just got to pray for the best, honestly, at this point, because their offense can just snap and score 40 points in 10 minutes, it seems like, almost. So uh, the Browns are a few defensive players away, I think, from being legit Super Bowl contenders, but good for them for making it this far. Well, let me lay out a formula for a Browns win right now. Four interceptions and a recovered fumble for the Cleveland Browns against the Steelers. (laughs) And uh, if they can do that against the Chiefs, they're going to have a chance. 
You know, if they can manufacture those turnovers, they'll be they'll be cooking with gas. And if they can get a lead, sort of like the Titans did last year, um, they were the Titans weren't able to to grind it out on them. But I think the the Browns are better prepared with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to be able to do that to the Chiefs. And um, I think the big thing here is who is going to come off the COVID list for the Browns and who is going to be healthy on defense. If Ward can get healthy and if they get their offensive linemen back, Stefanski's back on the sideline, I think they have a lot better chance. Um, the problem is if you don't, we saw what that big lead against Pittsburgh turned into. It turned into a little bit of a fight there in the in the second half and, and Pittsburgh started to come back. Now they were playing a little, uh, a little bit of prevent defense and they switched to some zone coverages and Pittsburgh went right ahead and started targeting those backup corners whenever they were manned up. Um, so that's bad news going up against a Chiefs team. But this, while the Chiefs are very high scoring, they're an explosive offense. They're not necessarily a team that marches down the field and dinks and dunks. So if you can keep things in front of you and make them march, um, I think Patrick Mahomes has a tendency to try to push for that big play. They have the big flashy offense, the big flashy receivers. Um, and he can get a little bit too caught up in that sometimes. And that sometimes leaves plays open underneath the field that he's not taking advantage of. So if you can sort of minimize those big explosive plays, which is easier said than done, I think you're going to have an opportunity to win at the end of the game. All that being said, I don't think the Browns are going to have the pieces on defense to be able to stop the, the Chiefs consistently. Uh, I think they're going to trade blows back and forth for a lot of the game, but Ultimately, the, the Chiefs may end up having the ball at the end, and that may be the deciding score. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs 42-37 to 37 over the Browns. Yeah, I'm the least excited for this matchup out of any playoff matchup that we have. Um, listen, it's been a fun ride, Browns. I've, I've, ridden, I've ridden the hype train with you all season, but the train stops here. It's time to get off. Congrats on your first playoff win in 25 years, but you are no matchup for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs unfortunately i mean this this is a browns team that right now is the worst defensive team left in the playoffs statistically when you look at dvoa um and their offense while on fire and scoring a lot of points just will not keep up with the chiefs this chiefs team is going to absolutely shred this Browns secondary they're going to take an early lead i don't think that bodes well for the browns game plan and what they like to do a lot of handing the ball off a lot of short bootleg passes things along those lines i don't think that that is going to be enough to keep pace but you know what? I mean, listen, if you're a Browns fan, the organization as a whole, the city of Cleveland, you should be extremely proud of what this team has done, what the future holds. But let's be real. Last Sunday, that was the Browns Super Bowl. They won it. It's done for them. There's They draw the, they drew the short end of the stick here with this Chiefs matchup. They might have had a chance against the Ravens or the Bills if things fell a different way. But uh, this is not going to be their day, in my opinion. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs, 45, Browns, 34, um, and the Chiefs continue their road to a repeat. You guys have any any uh, any thoughts on on my uh, my hot take, Durgan? Is that a hot take? That is a medium take because I agree with you. It's it's uh, common okay. knowledge, common knowledge, man. <laughs> yeah, I, so it's it's not hot. It's pretty not cold. Hot. It's, it's cold. a cold take for sure. I think any matchup with the Chiefs uh, is you know it's going to be tough to to kind of keep pace um and i don't know that there is an offense that can do that i mean we'll find out next week but um anyways that's that's all the games for this week do you guys have any final thoughts here before we kind of wrap things up and and uh 
say goodbye? Nope. Nope. Oh, you guys are all good. I need, I need some. I need some spice from you towards the end here. I want like a. All right, all right, I want a here's, patented here's a Durgan. There you go. Give me a hot take. I got a hot take. Lamar Jackson. Oh God! Twice Why does it have to be Lamar Jackson every time? Yards. That's all I got, man. Every time. Twice as many rushing yards as passing yards this week. Twice as many rushing yards. Lamar Jackson will have twice yards. as many rushing yards as passing yards. Mm-hmm. Then, then. So- you all like going to have like two, 400 yards <laughs> rushing? No, like, come on, no. Like 180 yards rushing and uh, maybe 90 yards passing. He's going to throw 90 yards. You're, this is, yeah, he, that this is, is, okay, hey, it is a hot take. I'll give it to you, it's a hot take. It is a hey. hot take. It is a hot take. All right, well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's wrap things up here on episode <laughs> 73 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you for sticking with us and tuning in for our review of the divisional round, all the latest news. Um, and everything that we are excited to see this coming weekend. Before we sign off, I want to give my co-hosts a chance to plug some of their content for you to check out. Casey, what do you got coming up for the listeners? Uh, There is a Taylor Heineke article up on weeklyspiral.com already looking at his performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there will be another one when you're listening to this uh, of Josh Allen and the run game that the the Bills schemed up for him and those designed quarterback runs. They did some quarterback draws, which sort of combated uh, the defense that the Colts were, were showing them. And then the video breakdown this week will be on the Rams run game and how that started to get going against Seattle and why they may have a chance against the Packers. Yeah, Cam Makers look really good. But shout out Taylor Heineke. We didn't talk about this, but he embodied leaving it out, leaving it all out on the field. I've never seen a dude look more beaten and battered by the defense uh, at the quarterback position and still come out and play as hard as he did that one touchdown run he had blew my mind i i was so impressed the dude made some money la- uh, last week and and i think he's earned his place in, in the league at least in a backup capacity so that was that was cool to see um Durgan, what about you man any any content coming up you want to let the listeners know about <laughs> yeah i did a uh, scouting breakdown on trey sermon who got hurt in the first uh, drive of the national championship game so that kind of ruined some of the hype, but he made, he made himself some money uh, this postseason, rushing for 500 yards in uh, two combined games. Nice. Well, I'm sure people will still be interested regardless of, of uh, the injury. Uh, this has been the Weekly Spiral, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you so much for sticking with us for episode 73. We look forward to uh, episode 74 next week, and we hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, it is awesome, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>